I guess what I'm trying to say, there's still more work to do. And there's still more for us to do. And it's with that idea in mind, I want to look at our theme verse today because I do have a sermon for you after all. And those of you who brought your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to, I want to share with you as we continue in our study the art of being blessable from this verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I think you're really going to like today. Just one verse to kick us off. Paul's writing here, he says, with God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we can ask or think of. I want to read it one more time because I just have one verse, so I've got to read it twice for emphasis. This is what God is saying to us today. With God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we can ask or think of. I have that underlined in my notes today. Much, much more. I love that. It's not just like more. Like more would be, you know, already substantial. It's not just much more. It's much, much more. It's an obscene amount of more. That's how much God wants to do in our life. And uh, I want to use this verse to speak to you from this subject today. More power to you. More power to you. I was like when you helped me preach my messages, if you would just turn to the person you came with or somebody next to you, just give them a fist bump today. And just let them know more power to you. Don't, don't leave anybody hanging. That's the worst thing you can do is to leave somebody. Make sure everybody gets a fist bump. Tell them more power to you. Hey, it's always my custom to pray. I always know I need God's help when we communicate his word. It's an awesome and holy calling, and I never want to take it for granted. And I believe you could use God's help today, too. So would you just bow your head with me as we go to the Lord one more time in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that your word changes lives, and it speaks to us. So, God, use me today. Speak through me. Let your word go forth. I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Before we get started, I want to ask you a question because I always like to know if what I'm talking about is applicable to your life. But for everybody in here, if you would just be bold, uh, how many of you would be honest in church and you would say that God has blessed you? God has blessed you. A lot of hands, almost every hand up. That's awesome. And if your hand's not up, you're in the right place because we're talking about the art of being blessable. So you're going to get something out of this today. But Uh, You know, a lot of us put our hands up. That's good. we got Thanksgiving coming up this week. We have a lot to be thankful for. Now, the the next question I have for you, though, is I I really want you to participate. Many of you, almost everybody raised their hands, said you've got a blessed life. God, God has blessed you. But how many of you would be honest in church? Say, even though God has blessed you, you would love to be more blessed. Anybody just say you would love to be more blessed? There's no shame in that. My hand is up. I would love to be more blessed. Now, if you've been coming for the past few weeks, you kind of know what we're talking about with blessing. Maybe if you didn't put your hand up, you don't know uh, what we're talking about. But a lot of us would say, I would love to be more blessed. And, you know, we might think of blessing in in different ways. Like maybe we want to be more spiritually blessed. Maybe maybe we want to be more relationally blessed. May want to be more financially blessed. If your hand is up on that one, it just means you're American because we all want to be more financially blessed. But my hand was up on all three. But here's what's crazy about this. Here's what's crazy about the Bible. Here's what's crazy about Jesus. And you just need to know 
if you are new here, like we are a Bible church and, and we are a Jesus church. We look to what the Bible says and how to apply it to our life and we follow Jesus and his example. What's crazy is that the Bible and Jesus actually address this very subject. Jesus is actually quoted on this very subject of how to be more blessed. So if if you raised your hand, you said, yeah, I would actually like to be more blessed. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 would speak directly to you. Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed. You want to be more blessed? You got to learn about giving. The challenge for us, though, is we think of being more blessed as getting more. We don't usually think of being more blessed as giving, but the truth is to actually experience a blessed life, you have to understand something about generosity. And that's why I want to talk to you today about the art of generosity because generosity is a key to being blessable. If we want to be more blessed, we've got to be more concerned about giving than receiving. And I know it seems backwards because that's not usually what we think about when it comes to blessing. Usually when we think about blessing, we, we, we think about what we can receive. And that's why so many of us struggle to get the blessing of God because we get blessing backwards. I almost called this message today, when we get blessing backwards. We get blessing backwards whenever we don't understand the power of giving. We, we get blessing backwards many times because nobody has ever accurately showed us what God's word has to say about it. And so that's what I want to help you with today. I want to help you understand the power of generosity, more power to you, through four questions that that will really, I believe, bring some clarity, bring some understanding, bring some help, help you understand the power of generosity, that God can do much, much more in your life than you could ask, think, or imagine. And these four questions are going to help you Trust the words of Jesus on how to be more blessed. And so four questions, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. Even those of you who are watching online today, I would encourage you to take notes right where you're at and, and write these down. The first of the four questions that you need to ask is really these two words, explanation or expectation. Am I waiting for an explanation or am I acting with an expectation. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to maybe some of the reservations I would have, am I waiting for an explanation or am I acting with an expectation? I notice many times in my walk with God, when it comes to God giving me an instruction, he usually doesn't give me an explanation. I don't know if this has happened to anybody else, but I said many times, perhaps I should say, all the time. Every time God has given me an instruction, he doesn't always give an explanation. And that's hard for me. Because the first thing I want to know is why. What's the reason you're asking me to do this, God? What's the purpose of this? What's the outcome going to be if I obey? Why do you want me to do this? But in all my years of following God and in all my years of studying the Bible to see how God speaks and instructs and what it means to follow him. What is consistent about his character is that whenever God gives an instruction, I've noticed that 
he typically speaks in sound bites. Have you noticed that? When God gives an instruction, he'll say things like, go. He'll say things like, come. He'll say things like, follow me. He doesn't typically give us the master blueprint from beginning to end. Rather than give us a discourse on the details, I've noticed that when God gives an instruction, there's usually a gap between the instruction that he gives and the information that I want. Because I want the details. I want to know how this is going to play out. I, I want to know the why, the how, the when, the who, the how long, the, the where, the, the which one. This is why faith always has to be a component of your giving. Expectation. You know, this series is really about how to please God. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's got to be an expectation component because most of the time, God doesn't give us the details. And one of the reasons I believe we don't get the details is because we might not say yes if we had the details. I thought it was interesting that when I asked that question, how many people raised their hand and said, yes, I've, I've had a blessed life. God has blessed me. I'm living a blessed life. And yet, I bet we could pass the mic around the room. Don't worry, we're not going to. But we could pass the mic around the room, and many of you would say, yeah, I've had some struggles. I've had some hardship. I've had some difficulty. I've had some problems. In fact, currently, as we speak right now, I am going through something. And yet, you had your hand up that God has blessed you. Because sometimes, <laughs> I've just noticed blessing is many times on the other side of hardship. It's on the other side of pain. It's on the other side of difficulty. And sometimes in order to get to that place, you have to go through some things God uses to develop you. It's kind of like um, I used to have this trainer, and uh, whenever I'd work out with him, he would never tell me what my uh, programs are going to be until I arrived that day. He would have, like, a new one for me after a few weeks. And every time he had a new program, he wouldn't, like, give me a heads up about it. When we started, he would say, like, here's, here's the order of the day. He would just kind of run me through the stuff. And I remember going through this whole program at the end of it, uh, we had this most exhaustive run that we did. It wasn't a run. It was like this, this set of things. And I was, after I was on the floor throwing up, he was like, good job. That was called a death set. A death set. Well, that's pretty accurate. That's how I felt afterwards. Really life-giving. I've heard of supersets. I've never heard of death sets before. That was called a death set. That's why I fired him. I don't work out with him anymore. But you know, in the same way, if he would have told me that we were going to do that, I probably wouldn't have showed up for the session. That doesn't sound like something I want to do. And in the same way, many of us, like if God showed us and gave us all of the details, I wonder if we wouldn't say yes to the instruction. I wonder if we would look too much at the problem instead of the prize he has for us. I wonder if he gave us all the details, if he gave us an explanation, if we would focus too much on the pain that we wouldn't be able to push through the pain to get to the gain. I, I wonder if all of the things that are involved, if, if we wouldn't show up. See, I, I just noticed that people who insist on explanations often miss God's impartations. Because God wants us to trust him without explanation. Now, before you think that God is bad for doing that, or God's unfair, let me just tell you, all you parents do the exact same thing. I do the exact same thing. There are many times I give my kids instructions without an explanation. 
And I don't want to give them an explanation. They don't need an explanation. Sometimes they just need to do what I'm asking them to do because I said so. You know, so, sometimes I'm asking them to do something because it just makes me happy in the moment. Sometimes I'm asking them to do something because I want to teach them something about honor. I want them to serve somebody else. Sometimes I want them to do something because it's going to develop them better. Sometimes I want them to do something because it's going to help out around the house. It's going to be a character-building experience for them. Sometimes I just want them to do something. I don't have to explain everything to them. doesn't mean I don't have a reason. Truth is, even if I explain my reasons, they might not receive it. They might not understand it. And so part of God's instruction, God has a reason. Even if he explained it to you, you might not be able to understand it. You might not be able to receive it. And you don't have to know what God is thinking or planning in order to trust him. For many of us, this becomes a hang-up in our walk with God because there are some things that we just plain will not understand. The truth is, there are going to be a lot of things about your life, whether you trust God or not, that you will not understand. And so what happens is you can either get mad, get upset, blame God, and not understand, or you can trust God and not understand. And either way, the point I'm trying to make is you're not going to understand. I'm just trying to help you make the right decision. And the sooner you realize that you've got two options and neither one of them includes understanding, it'll be easier for you to choose the right one. Proverbs 3.5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So instead of waiting for an explanation, I want to encourage you to act with an expectation. That if God's instruction, that if God gives you an instruction and his plans are good and his will for you is good, then the outcome is going to be good too. Here's a second question you need to ask though. These two words, reluctance or reassurance? Reluctance or, or reassurance. Do I approach generosity with reluctance or do I approach generosity with reassurance? I've noticed how you approach generosity has a lot to do with how you view God. If you view God as a giver, if you view God as somebody who is well able to meet your needs according to his riches and glory, well, it's going to be a lot easier for you to approach God with reassurance. If you view God as somebody who is fully capable to handle the details and affairs of your life, as somebody who not only knows you, but has plans for you, and his will for you is good, and his purpose for you is good, and he, he is working out his plan and purpose in your life, it is going to be a lot easier for you to, to trust him. That's reassurance. But if your view of God is somebody who is far away and unconcerned about the details of your life, well, you might be reluctant. And I've noticed lots of times that when we're reluctant about an issue, it's not that we're trying to be resistant. It's just that we're uncertain. We're uncertain. We're uncertain that it's going to work out. Uncertain that it's going to be okay. And I want to tell you that uncertainty is a great opportunity to have confidence in God's ability. Uncertainty is a great time to trust God. 
to have faith in God. In fact, I would tell you it's impossible to have faith unless you have some uncertainty. Because if you were certain, it wouldn't require any faith. If you were certain, you wouldn't need to believe. If you were certain, you would just know. And so lots of times we encounter a situation where we've got some uncertainty around the issue. I don't know. And, and we think that our uncertainty and our doubt disqualifies us. But doubt doesn't disqualify you. Doubt is actually the catalyst, the prerequisite for faith. So I want to encourage you, have confidence in uncertain times. Have confidence when you don't understand the season that you're in. And even though doubt doesn't disqualify you, I also want to let you know that reluctance can. Reluctance can. Because many times in the process of deciding whether or not we're going to trust God in this area, we've already disobeyed. And it shouldn't be a decision. Well, you know, pastor, I'm just praying about what I should do. Okay. But can I tell you, lots of times what we call prayer is really just procrastination. Like, I didn't pray about whether or not I should preach a sermon to you today. Now, I prayed about my sermon. It's like you could have prayed a little longer, pastor. I prayed about my, but I didn't have to make a decision whether or not I was going to get up here today. And, and many times, some things are just not a decision. You don't have to pray about whether or not to get baptized. If you're a believer and you have not been biblically baptized, you should get baptized. We're doing baptisms next week. You, you don't have to pray about serving, serving God's house. If, if you're a Christ follower and your heart is to be more like Jesus, he wants you to be about his mission. If you want to be about what Jesus is about, Jesus is building his church. You don't have to pray about it. You, you don't have to pray about tithing. It, it's God's instruction. But many times we'll pray about whether or not we should. And in the process of praying about whether or not we should, we've actually disobeyed. And that brings the third question. Objections or obedience? Objections or being, am I offering objections or am I operating in obedience? I want to ask you, when it comes to generosity, specifically in the area of trusting God with your finances, are you offering objections or are you operating in obedience? And if there's a tension in your heart, when I'm talking about this, I would just ask you to recognize that tension and then ask yourself, why does this bother me so much? Well, why does this bother me? Because, see, I'm here to free you up. I'm not here to put burden on you. I'm not here to put shame on you, guilt, or condemnation. That is not what I'm about. That's not what we're about as a church. I'm here to lift the burden off you. I'm, I'm here to free you up. You know, when I talked about how people are going to give sacrificially, let me help you. God is not going to ask you to empty your bank account. He's not. He's not going to ask you to put yourself in a position where you don't have something for your needs or you can't buy groceries. He's definitely not going to ask you to put something on a credit card. That's not how God works. He's not going to do that. God will never ask you to give something that you don't have. 
but he might ask you to give something that you'd rather keep. And that's the moment where you have an opportunity to trust God. I mentioned that God's not going to ask you to empty your bank account, and he's not. But I would tell you there's actually a couple times where Marissa and I have done that. We've emptied it out. Not so we couldn't afford to buy groceries, but different times where we had saved up. One time we saved up to buy a vehicle, and, uh, you know, we, that's what we were building this towards. And I felt like in this moment that God wanted us to use that um, to be about something else. There's another time we were saving up. So we wanted to invest in some real estate. And I uh, just felt like we were supposed to use that money that we'd been saving up to, to, to give to God. So God's not going to ask you to give something that you don't have, but he is going to ask you to give something maybe that you'd rather keep. He may ask you to give something that you'd rather keep. And that's really, that's really the, the issue with, with tithing. In God's economy, tithing is not about money. Tithing, if you're new to church, kind of new to that word, tithing it's a Hebrew word, literally means 10%. And it's not so much about 10%, it's really about the first and the best. That's how I describe it. Tithing is trusting God with your first and your best. And it's interesting because, you know, even just think about tithing, it's not really about the money, because for everybody in the room, it'd be a different amount. It'd be a different amount that we would give to God because we all make different amounts. So tithing's not about the money, it's about first things. And tithing is a way of saying, God, everything I have belongs to you. In fact, Scripture says this in Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's why we tithe. That's why we do it. You get a paycheck. You take the first and best part before you do something else, and you honor God with it. It's not about the money, it's about what it says. I was thinking about this one time, early on in my relationship with Marissa, um, I had got her this gift, I had got her this shirt, I thought it was an awesome shirt, you know, and it's like just any guys in your relationship, it's usually a bad idea if you buy your girlfriend or wife or fiance clothes, like it's just usually not a good idea, because in your mind, you're like, it's going to go one of two ways and it's just usually not good. But I, I got her this, um, I got her this uh, shirt that I liked, and you know, for me at the time, it was pretty, I was, you know, college student, did not have a lot of money. It's pretty expensive. She never wore the shirt. Not once. Never, ever wore the shirt. But I got her a note with the shirt. Kept the note. And this is a girl who likes gifts. It wasn't about the gift. It was about what the gift said. That shirt's probably still hanging up in her closet. You know, it's a, it's never going to wear it. Maybe she threw it away. I don't know. But it wasn't about the gift. It was about what the gift said. That's how it is when we tithe. It's not about the money. It's about what the money says. It says, God, you're first in my life. God, I, I love you. And I use money to serve, serve you and honor you and advance the mission. I don't love money and use you. Sometimes that's what we want to do with God. Want to love money and use God, but no, when we tithe, say, God, I, I love you. I love you. You're first in my life. And I would just encourage you, my, my, my challenge and request to each person here is that you would take a step towards being a generosity champion. You would just 
whatever it is, when I get paid, I'm going to honor God first. I'm going to give him the first and best. It's this principle, God, you're first in my life. I trust you. I love you. I'm going to give to God because God is a giver. And here's the last question. Am I thinking about me or am I thinking about the mission? Am I thinking about me or am I thinking about the mission? I could go on and on. When we're talking about being more blessed, the truth is anytime you place trust in God, God is a rewarder. God is a giver. He's a giver. I, I told you those times, and I could just, I could tell you stories this whole time. I don't want to do it. It's not really the point of this message, but you know, the, those times where we had a special prompting from God to empty our account, you would be amazed if I told you what God did on the other end of that. Uh, one time, well, you know, that, that one, uh, the, the one to, we're investing in real estate, God, three times over what we had planned. That's how good God is. There was another time just in the, in the church, uh, I, I'd mentioned, I don't think I told this, this side of it, but where when we were in the process of, you know, building this building and all the things that we wanted to do, and I really felt that we were supposed to help some other churches and some church plants get, uh, get established, and they were going through some building things, so we gave $4,000 to four different church plants. And uh, I kid you not, just later that week, later that week, uh, unknownst to this person had no idea, $40,000 came in here. That's what, and I, I could go story after story like that. I don't want to do that because that's like, that's not the point of this. But what I'm trying to say is that God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. And the funny thing about saying is that God is a rewarder, that God is good, that he's generous, that he loves to give you more, is that this is the one place where people bristle up. Trusting God never goes unrewarded. And what people will say to me is they'll say things like, well, I'm not greedy. You know, I don't really need much. All I need is to make sure like my needs are taken care of. And as long as I have enough for me, I'm good with that. But can I tell you, that's a very selfish way to live your life. People say that sometimes to try and pass it off as saintly or noble. Like, I, I don't really need much. Just, you know, as long as I got enough to take care of me, I'm, I'm good. But if you have that attitude, you're only thinking about yourself. What God wants for all of us is to bless us so that we can be a blessing. Generosity is about getting more power to you so that he can use you as a funnel to bless others. For many of us, the only place where we resist trusting God is with our money. I mean, think about this. All the blessings that God could give you in your life, the only place people really resist it, bristle up against it, is with money. Like if you come up to me and say, man, pastor, you have such a blessed marriage. Like, tell me, tell, what is it that God has done in your life? How, how are you guys so blessed? I'm going to be like, well, hold on. We're not that blessed. I mean, we just fake it. <laughs> really, <laughs> we don't get along at all. I wouldn't say that. If, if you said, man, 
been working out? You're looking good. What have you been doing? What's your secret? I wouldn't say Spanx. That's underneath here. I mean, you should see me with my shirt off. It's like love handles for days. Marissa calls me Mr. Muffin Top. No, I wouldn't say that. But when it comes to finances, when it comes to the one place, we just resist it. Man, I really like that shirt. Yeah, I got it on sale. Not that, not that blessed. I like those shoes. Man, those, those shoes, those are awesome. Yeah, they were a gift. A gift to myself. We, we, we get shy about this. And I, I just want you to know that God rewards you. He's a rewarder. But it's not about me. It's about the mission. Because I can't give what I don't have, and God doesn't expect me to give something I don't have. But when I open up my heart to the idea that God wants to use me, God can show me how to be more blessed. So let's not get blessing backwards today. Let's be thankful for what God has done, but let's remember that in all God has done, he's not done yet. There's more he wants to do. There's more he wants to do through you. There's more he wants to do in your life. So let's review the lesson. Am I waiting for an explanation or acting with an expectation? Do I approach God's instruction with reluctance or reassurance? Am I offering objections or operating with obedience? Am I only concerned with me or am I thinking about the mission? Jesus said, remember, it is more blessed to give than receive. Let's not get blessing backwards. What if we just flipped it today? What if we said, I'm going to choose mission before me. I'm going to choose obedience before my objections. I'm going to choose reassurance instead of reluctance. I'm going to give with an expectation, not wait for an explanation. I believe God wants to do more. And just like all we did was flip it, I think God wants to flip the perspective in your heart today. It's more blessed. More blessed to give. God can do more in your life. It's more power to you so he can do even more through you.